Welcome to First Baptist Wiley. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or give online at fbw.church. I love the joy found in that video. Well, good morning, uh, First Baptist Church Wiley. My name is Clint, and I have had the awesome opportunity and privilege to spend uh, the weekend sharing God's Word with the students at Refuel Weekend. And I'll tell you what, it has been an incredible, incredible weekend that we are getting to see the culmination right now. So uh, I uh, I uh, grew up in Texas. I'm a Texan by birth. I, I live uh, here for 36 years, and now I pastor a church in Georgia. And uh, I'll tell you this, it has been good to be back, uh, and we are getting some good Texas barbecue, all right? When I moved to Georgia, I found out that they cook the wrong animal there and call it barbecue. Everything is pulled pork, and I decided, you know, we got to get down here and put a cow on a plate, all right? And so it is good to be here, and I just want to thank Pastor Chris just for his leadership, his kindness, and I know it's a big deal when you entrust the pulpit that God has given you to steward to someone else, and so I want to be faithful to God's Word and thank him. But I also love Emery. I've known Emery for five or six years. We got to serve at a church together, and I tell you what, his wife was uh, in my student ministry growing up, and so we're a big fan of that family and the way they lead and the way I will say this, they love Jesus. That is something you want in a student pastor is someone who loves Jesus. They're not just cool. They're not just relevant, but they love Jesus with their whole heart. And I'll tell you this, Emory does, and he has put together an incredible uh, weekend. And so I've just been blown away by the kindness and authenticity of the people that I have met at this church. And, and I'm excited to take the next few minutes to get in God's word together. You know, it's, it's one of the things that we've been talking about this weekend is the uncommon moments that happen when you encounter God. That, that when you encounter the Almighty, when you have a moment, nothing else is ever the same. You can know about God, you can be near God, but when you encounter God, things change forever. And, and there are defining moments in our life. There's moments that are tough that we're entrusted with. There, there's moments that are hilarious and, and, and just make you smile when you think. And then there are defining moments in your life. I think about one from my childhood. I remember this growing up in Texas. One thing about Georgia that's different is they have this thing called seasons, right? Where they, they have four of them and they happen throughout the year. Growing up in Texas, we only had three. We had hot, really hot and freak eye storm, right? That's, that's, that's where we live, right? And so that's where I grew up. It's hot, you know, 10 months of the year. And then out of the blue, ice comes and just shuts everything down. And I remember when I was a kid, one of those times, and of course they said ice on the news, they shut down school for like a week. And this time we actually got the ice and we were in our driveway and had an alley to the neighbor's uh, driveway in the back. And I remember my older brother one day when we, we were home from school, there was ice everywhere. And he said, Hey, little brother, I mean, do you want to hang out with me? And as a little brother, I had just won the lottery. I was like, yes, I want to hang out with you right now. And he said, the only thing you have to do to hang out with me right now is strap yourself to that kneeboard. So I did. And I got on and strapped myself. And he then took the kneeboard and tied a rope to it to the back of a bicycle. And at the top of our driveway, he begins to get on the bicycle and pedal, which there's ice. And so it's spinning, spinning, spinning until it catches. And then down the driveway we go, through the alley, up the other side. 
And we did this over and over and over again. And it was actually this incredible bonding moment, little brother and big brother. We'd never been on the same page before, but in this moment in time, things had changed. But church, it got a little better. Because a little after that, my mom walks outside, comes up and says, boys, what are you doing? And for the first time, my brother and I locked eyes and we were on the same page. And we said, mom, how would you like to hang out with your boys today? (laughs) I would love it. Mom, all you got to do to hang out with us is strap yourself to this kneeboard. (laughs) To which she did. She strapped herself in. I got on the bike. My brother got on the rope somewhere in between. I began to get and pedal, 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 spin, spin, spin. It catches. We head down the driveway. Brother's running in the middle, pulling the rope. I'm pulling it on the bike, down the driveway, through the alley, up the driveway. Boom! Into the neighbor's garage door. (laughs) To which she fell into a pile and laid there, not moving. It was a short life, but a good one, I guess. I knew that my father was going to kill both my brother and I for throwing our mother into the garage door. And as she laid there and we're contemplating escape routes, she stands up, kind of shakes her head and gets her bearings, looks at both of us. Here it comes. And she goes, that was awesome. And we knew in that moment, our mom was actually the coolest person on the planet. Now, we couldn't tell any of our friends, but we knew in that moment, our relationship with our mom would never be the same. She could actually have fun with us. We could do life with her, and it was a defining moment. It was a moment that we'll never forget as my brother and I are in our 40s now, and we look back almost three decades ago to one moment. You know, that's kind of what's been happening with some of our students this weekend, They came and and thought, I'm coming to a weekend, I'm going to have a little bit of fun, and some of them have run dead into God, and it is changing their life. Students that came in not knowing God now know Him. They have moved from death to life, darkness to light. Some students in here have begun to wrestle with their obedience and are stepping forward in baptism. Some of them are answering calls to ministry. Others are taking their faith seriously on their own instead of living on other people's faith. It's been an incredible weekend. But you know, these defining moments that we think back to that kind of changed the course of our life, we, we see one in Scripture. There's a moment where these disciples who've been walking with Jesus have a moment that I think for many of them changed the course of what they believed and knew about who Jesus was. And it's found in Mark chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 6 with me. If you're new to Scripture, open it up to the middle. Go to the right to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. If you get Luke, John, Acts, or Romans, you've gone a little bit too far, all right? But Mark chapter 6. And these disciples are are in this process of of leading up to a moment that would forever change them. But but there were some things in place that they began to learn, that they began to see, that they began to understand that I think we can apply today in North Texas. That we've been around church, we've been around Jesus, but there's some things that we can take away. And so I want to give you three today. So if you take notes in your Bible or you type them in your phone, I want you to, to take these so later this week you can begin to process You can be able to wrestle with the Spirit and let God show you some things. The first one is this, church. 
that prayer must hold priority in our walk. Prayer must hold priority in our walk. It can't be something that we do every now and then. It can't be, you know, limited to bedtime prayers with your kids or praying that God would do something super miraculous and bless that double bacon cheeseburger to the nourishment of your body. Some of us have real faith. But that prayer must hold a priority in our walk. In Mark chapter 6, verses 45 and 46, it says this. Now immediately he, that's Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. So let me give you a little context of what's going on right now. Right before this moment, when they were put into a boat and sent on to the next city, they have just experienced one of the most fantastic miracles to date. They had gone and Jesus was preaching and he was preaching to what the Bible calls the 5,000, which in that time they probably only counted the men. So this does not include spouses or children. So if you're thinking that everybody had, you know, their uh, spouse and a couple of kids with them, you're looking at somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people gathered to hear Jesus speak. This is one of the first megachurches. I mean, Jesus shows up and 20,000 people are gathered to hear him speak. And he is preaching and he is, the word of God is preaching the word of God. Like it is amazing what is happening right now. And as they get later into the day, the people are hungry. And Jesus looks at his guys and goes, hey, let's feed the crowd. And they're like, with what? I mean, it would take years of wages to just give everybody a bite. And Jesus says, well, what do you got? And they said, there's a little boy with a sack lunch. He's got a couple of fish and loaves. Anything we can do with that? There was just a little bit. And Jesus takes this little sack lunch, prays over it, blesses it, and begins to hand it out. And what Scripture says right before this is that everyone ate and had their fill, and there was some left over. That Jesus took the little bit that was given... And he gave everybody what they needed and more. These guys have just seen a miracle from heaven. They are on cloud nine. It has been a long day of ministry. They are tired. They are wiped out. But God has moved. And they are fired up. And Jesus says, now that we've seen this, I need you guys to get in the boat and go to the next thing. This ministry win was good. Let's go on to the next thing. And as he sent them, he made it a priority to get alone with his father. Jesus, the son of the living God, knew that he had to get alone with his father. And it says he went by himself to pray. Now, how much does that speak to us, church? That the son of God and one of the most notable miracles in all of history in that moment, needs to go and spend time with his father. There's a little bit of a micro lesson in here of going, sometimes the way we work is we've got a decision, we've got a a weekend, we've got an event, we've got a thing, and we pray leading up to it. And when God moves, we move on to the next thing. But what Jesus shows us is even though he was praying up to that thing, he was praying on the backside of it as well. 
We don't know what he was praying, but I can imagine he's probably praying for the people that have heard the word at that time. And what God was going to continue to do, he was praying prior, but also praying following. And you're like, man, what a great lesson. So what? What am I supposed to do with that? I'll say this. That point says that prayer must hold priority in your life. And so this week, we need to evaluate the things that we actually give priority to and how do we strategically reschedule our evening calendars, our commitments, our morning times, our snooze button, and we give priority to spending time alone with the Father. Because Christian, that's exactly what Jesus did. He set the example of prayer happens, not just in the morning and at the dinner table, but it is a pursuit of a relationship with the Father. As a believer, prayer has to hold priority in our walk. And these believers have experienced the most amazing ministry day. Prayer is happening. But then, their world changed on a dime. Here's the second point. Adversity can open the door for opportunity. Adversity can open the door for opportunity. I do not like this point because I like it when things are okay. I like it when things are good. I like it when it seems God has everything in control and the foundation is sure. I don't like it when things don't go that well and adversity hits our life. And we understand that even in that adversity, maybe that's an opportunity for God to move. Look at how the account continues in Mark chapter 6, verse 47. It says, now when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, and that the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. Everything was okay until it wasn't. They were out on the boat and all of a sudden a storm kicks up. The boat starts rocking. Thunder is rolling in the background. Lightning is flashing across the bow of the boat wind and waves coming over the side and then all of a sudden they see someone walking on the sea they think they're gonna die you know what i love about scripture is i get this does anybody know when the fourth watch of the night is it's about 3 a.m think back to when you were a teenager right and you'd go over to somebody's house to spend the night you know what I'm saying? You, you, your mom drops you off after school and they're like, hey, we're going to order some pizza. We're going to hang out. And man, you are excited to be there. It is someone else's house. You are eating pizza and soda because your parents don't let you do that. And you are excited. And then about nine or 10 o'clock, the parents come in and they're like, hey guys, it is time to go to bed. The, the, the time of fun has, has started to kind of change a little bit and you go and you start getting ready. And then there's a point about midnight where everything gets really funny. Do y'all remember that? Like somebody would just say something like, hey man, have you brushed your teeth? And you're like, ah, brush your teeth. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And you're like falling into walls and things get really funny. But then as the night kind of progresses, it gets about 1 a.m. All of a sudden things start getting a little creepy, right? Like you're just like, you start hearing things. 
And you're like, what is going on right now? About 3 a.m., things start getting really scary, right? Because you're like, this is not my house. I don't know the exit plan. I don't know where to go, right? And like all these things are running through your mind as a teenager. Just the progression of the hours have gone from fun to funny to creepy to scary. I think about one of the times we were first married. We were living in Branson, and, and we were young. We were raising support for ministry, and we were just starting out. Hadn't even been married a year yet and just lived in this little bitty apartment. And there was a family who had kind of taken us as a young couple under their wings. And they were like, hey, guys, we are leaving for Thanksgiving to go be with family. Would you guys mind house-sitting for us? Now, I want to go ahead and say that this house was like five, 8,000 square feet, like just huge mansion. And they're like, would you like to house-sit for us? And I was, as a very spiritual leader of my home, I was like, I'll have to pray about it. We're going to go stay in that house right? So we go over there, and man, we are excited. New couple, man, we're just strutting around the house like, yeah, one day, right? One day. And what was crazy is these people had so much money that they had not just a normal pet, like a dog or something like that. You know what their pet was? They had a peacock, a pet peacock. Do y'all know what a peacock sounds like? It's not something like a, a horse neighing in the distance, the lowing of cattle in the fields, No, these birds scream like, "Ah!" just in the middle of the night. So as things are quiet, you hear this peacock scream in the distance. And you're sitting there in this big house, and as the AC turns on, you're like, man, is that the air conditioning, or are there people walking on the roof? Like, I mean, as we laid there all night, it was like you just began to go from this is awesome to this is crazy. Your mind starts playing tricks on you. Think about this. These guys have had big ministry wins, long ministry days. They're put out in a boat, and all of a sudden, the storm blows out. It's three in the morning, and they're going, I have no idea what's going on. All rational thinking, all hope, all security has been stripped from them. A storm has completely taken over their life. But when you think about it, for these men, the struggle was real. The danger was real. Out in the middle of the sea with a boat that could crumble, could collapse, could turn over. This ghost walking on the ocean. Things could be real. And every one of us can identify with a storm in our life, can we not? To where things are okay and then they're not. And we usually don't get a warning, right? I mean, maybe you're, you're, you're doing bills and all of a sudden there's not enough money to cover the expenses and you think, what am I going to do? You look back and your finances are a mess. Credit cards are maxed out. Loans are through the roof. There's just not enough there. Or maybe anxiety or depression or loneliness through this COVID time has gripped your heart and changed the way you see things and see people. Maybe there's a a marriage that has been so solid for so many years and all of a sudden you're starting to see cracks in the foundation. Maybe there's there's, uh, families or friends that, that the storm has just hit and everything that was okay is no longer okay. You know what I'm talking about, church? When things were okay and then they're not. And you do your best when you come in here to make everybody think you got it all handled. But on the inside, there is a storm raging that is deep fear and insecurity. That's where these disciples were. And in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their adversity, in the midst of their, I don't know if I'm going to make it, Jesus 
comes near. Don't you love that? But I want to show you something. Just because Jesus came near, the storm didn't stop. That's a tough one, right? Because we've been sold this lie in Christianity. If you just walk with Jesus, you just ask Jesus into your heart, everything's going to be okay. That's not true. When Jesus comes near, Jesus comes near, it doesn't mean the storm stops. That is hard to take in. But the disciples in that moment, the fear, the thunder, the lightning, the wind, the waves, everything spinning out of control in their life gave an opportunity for God to move visibly. There's some of us going through a storm right now. And Jesus is coming near and we need him desperately to work. But your storm may be an opportunity for God to move. Which leads us to our third point. Jesus' presence changes everything. Jesus' presence changes everything. Look back at verse 50 in Mark chapter 6. It says, but immediately he spoke to them. That's the disciples in the boat and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. You see what Jesus said? He didn't say, I'm going to make everything okay. Church, don't be afraid because this storm you're going through, I'm going to make it all right. That's not what he said. He said, believer, don't be afraid. It is I. And then he got into the boat in the middle of the storm with him. But you know, let's take one look deeper. You see in your Bible where it says, take heart, it is I. Those three words, it is I. Circle them, underline them in your Bible. Highlight them on your phone. Because in the Greek, that word, it is I, translates in the Greek, ego emi, E-G-O-E-I-M-I. Which in the Greek, that means I am. So listen to this sentence. Jesus says, take heart, it is I. Translated correctly says, take heart, do not be afraid, because I am you're familiar with the Old Testament, this ought to bring up Exodus chapter 3. Moses in the burning bush, where God has called out someone in the crowd and said, my people are in slavery and in bondage. They're in the middle of a storm, 400 years, beaten and broken. I'm taking you, Moses, and you're going to lead them out. Moses had every excuse in the book. He had made mistakes in his past. He didn't speak well. He says, what if they don't believe me? And this is the interaction in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It says, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel, the people of God, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, then what is his name? What am I going to say to them? Verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. He said, say to the people of Israel, the I am has sent you. 
God told Moses, my people are in distress. You, told, you tell them the I am sent you. Jesus and his disciples in the midst of their craziest storm, he says, I want you to take heart because I am. Jesus claims deity in this moment. And he says, child of God, your storm is wild. Your storm is raging. But I need you to know it's not just that I'm going to make it okay because I may not right now, but I need you to take heart that I am who I say I am. That reads a little differently, doesn't it? That you don't be scared because I am. It's not that he's just there to help make everything go okay, because he may. Or he may let you walk through the fire. But he says, you can take comfort because you know who I am, and I'm right here. I want to tell you something, church. Jesus is more than someone just to help us out. He is the I am. Jesus is the son of the living God. And his presence changes everything. Whether he changes your circumstances or not, him being there changes the game. And that's what we've been talking about with our students this weekend. That there are moments that you for just a second can push everything you see out of the way and Jesus is able to meet you right where you are. So I wonder today, are there some of us here who've just been holding out hope that God will make everything okay? Or that we want to be involved in the presence of God? Because I'll tell you this, church, knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus are two different things. You can be near Jesus or you can have your life completely transformed by Jesus. And I think far too long in the church, we've gotten away just by being near Jesus, being a little bit better than the person next to us. Our sin a little bit more hidden and less public than the person down the row. So I'll say this, church, there is no better defining moment in your life than when you enter into a relationship with Jesus. So in this moment, I want to ask everybody just to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord a question just in this moment. Just you and the Lord. Do I know Jesus? Because there's a difference between knowing about him, being near him, coming to church, having the t-shirt, and being completely surrendered, made new, and transformed by the I am. Do you know Jesus? If you say, Clint, I don't know. I don't know. I would ask you to pray just something simple like this. God in heaven. You are perfect, you are holy, you are good, and I am not. God, I have sinned against you, and I understand that my sin has consequences. Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, 
there is no forgiveness of sin. God, I'm aware something has to die to pay for my sin. God, I believe that your son Jesus lived, died, was buried, and raised again. And God, right now, in the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin and I put my faith in you. God, would you save me now? If you prayed that prayer, what the Bible says in Romans is that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to say welcome to the adopted family of God. In just a moment, uh, our staff is going to be coming forward and they're going to be here. If, if you prayed that prayer, one of them would love just to celebrate with you. Just tell them, man, this is what God's doing in my life. But I also believe that there's some other of us in here that are wrestling with some things. Maybe like some of these students you saw in the video earlier, you've been wrestling with the idea of baptism. I got saved so long ago, but I've never put my salvation on the, or my baptism on the right side of my salvation. Or maybe I got saved a few weeks, few months, few years ago, and I've never just followed through. Man, in just a moment, as our staff are down at the front, I want you to just come and just tell them, hey, I want to get baptized. We can do that today. We can schedule it in a few weeks. But we want to help you be obedient. Some of you have been kind of kicking the tires of the church. Do I want to be a part? Do I like just coming? And I would encourage you, today's a day where you can get information answered about joining the church. But I also think there's a last group of you that the storm is raging in your life. The thunder is rolling over your family. Lightning is flashing across your life. Wind is howling in your ears. The spray of the waves is coming over the edge of your life. And you're thinking, I just don't know how much more fight I have left in me. I'm poured out. I'm struggling. I'm about to give up this storm in my finances, in my marriage, in my family, in my business, in my loneliness. I just can't take it anymore. There's going to be some people up here that'll just pray with you. Just say, man, will you pray with me? And with authority, they will pray over your life. So I'm going to pray and our staff will be here at the front. And I'm just going to give you a chance to respond to any of those things that I gave my life to Jesus. want to get baptized, want to join the church, or I just need somebody to pray for me. So God, I thank you for this time and your word together. I pray for those that have been here diving into your word, God, that you would help us understand that prayer has to be prioritized in our life, that we're preparing ourselves because adversity will come and it'll open the opportunity for you to move. And we have to understand, Jesus, that your presence changes everything. So, Lord, we bring our lives, we bring our storms, we bring our troubles before you. And in faith, say, God, you and you alone. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.